0: Welcome to The Crucible, where the Southern African Institute of Mining and Metallurgy gives you a front row seat to conversations with specialists in the minerals and metal sector. SIAM has well over a 100 years' experience in, and commitment to, protecting the professional standards of our industry. Join us now as we discuss the key issues and global initiatives to give you the relevant information needed to make informed decisions to influence policy that directly affects our sector, and to help our industry grow in an uncertain future.
1: Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode of The Crucible. I am Gabel Ratoube, and I will be your host for today's episode. The theme for today's conversation is creating a diverse and inclusive mining industry. Today, we'll be joined by Fatima Hayat. Fatima is a human resource manager at Glencore and the communications lead at WIMSA, Women in Mining, South Africa. So she will be sharing her views on diverse and inclusive recruitment in the mining industry. Fatima, welcome to The Crucible and thank you for joining us today. Um, well, I've tried to introduce you, but could you please just tell us more about who Fatima is? Cabello, thank you for that intro. Um, Yes, I am an HR manager at Glencore um, with 21
0: years of experience in the smelting industry. I'm also a top 100 uh, global inspirational woman in mining for the 2022-2023 uh, year and a PCG fabulous woman global impact finalist for 2023. I do serve as a sponsor for my woman in mining committee um, at Glencore. And I'm quite involved uh, with diversity, equity, and inclusion, obviously, as my role as an HR specialist in the organization. Um, and I also believe that I'm a servant leader um, within my organization. And I'm quite involved with uh, philanthropic work in my community. So I do believe that. But my most important role, Cabello, I believe, is I'm a role model and a mother to a very inquiring two-year-old boy.
1: wow that's quite a resume (laughs) okay thank you very much again for joining us so as you mentioned that you are a human resource manager required in every kind of business and so i'm just curious to know what influenced your career choice but more so how did you end up in the mineral sector you said you have about 21 years of experience in this industry how did you get here so, perhaps let's start with
0: what influenced my career choice. I actually started studying geology at um, the University of um mm-hmm. after I matriculated. Due to financial circumstances, I couldn't complete my full-time studies. So, after a year, I had to come home and, you know, try and study through UNISA. And I would like to think that the HR field found me as opposed to me finding it. You know, I decided to then Pursue my studies in human resources, and living in Rustenburg, we surrounded by mines and smelters, and it was only natural for me to try and, you know, look for employment within this industry. Basically, to, you know, find a job that was sustainable and to be able to sustain my family. Mm-hmm. And um, I had then applied at almost all of the companies in Rustenburg all of the mining companies in Rustenburg and I was fortunate enough to get a position on a fixed term contract basis at Extrata uh, which is now Glencore and yeah that's where my journey began and 21 years later I'm still with the company and um, you know enjoying every moment of human resources Mm -hmm. because it's evolved so much over the years.
1: Okay, and I'm I'm interested to know about that evolution. But before we get there, you mentioned that you've been doing this for over 21 years and the mining industry, it's a very male-dominated fraternity, so to speak. And so I want to know your views on how important do you think that the industry becomes more inclusive? And what is your role as an HR manager in ensuring that this happens?
0: Camelo, I think you know diversity and in- inclusivity is of vital importance for any mining industry or any organization, not specifically mining, to thrive, because it creates a certain culture. Um, and and when you intentionally embrace inclusivity, um, you find that people come up with more creative ideas because your group is so diverse and you allow that space so so we we often focus so much on diversity as organizations that we often uh, forget that you need to be inclusive as well and mm-hmm. i think when you create a culture of inclusivity intentionally so and you are authentic about it as an organization your it yields better productivity it yields in it, it, you know it creates an environment for creativity and innovation um, and any organization in today's world with AI and um, the 4 IR space that we find ourselves in, if you embrace inclusivity, you find that employees that were generally regarded as minority groups, they tend to bring so much elements of creativity to the table that allows organizations to build onto their strategies with those innovative and creative ideas and get better productivity. Um, But also having a culture of inclusivity and and where HR fits in is, you know, creating that space that enabling psychologically safe space for women and uh, what we deemed, you know, groups, minority groups in the past, you find that people stay longer at organizations because they feel they can bring themselves to work every day. Mm-hmm. And I and I think as an HR person, for me, that's of vital importance because we pride ourselves as organizations to retain talent, to retain skills in the workplace. And um, my role as an HR manager within an organization is to ensure that my leadership is in tune with what our strategy is in terms of inclusion to ensure that they are well-equipped, that they authentic about the way they include people in spaces, and that when people from other groups than traditionally the male-dominated groups that, that were existing in mining come up with ideas, that we latch on to those ideas, and that we actually allow them to thrive within an organization. And I mm-hmm. think when you embrace that fully, you know, mining industry is very productivity and safety driven. You will find that when people are in a psychologically safe environment and they feel included, they will thrive in both in safety and production. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what every industry wants. Um, we don't want to be driven just by, uh, you know, targets that we've got to report to Monroe's council. It shouldn't be inclusivity. For me, it shouldn't be a tick box exercise that we need to report onto Minerals Council every month to say mm-hmm. these are the in, the the programs that we're putting in place. And it goes far beyond training and educating people about inclusivity. It was it's about the implementation because your your policies and your procedures are only as good as you know your implementation plan. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I hear you. Speaking of like inclusivity and the strategy, so what are some of the strategies then that different industries, the mining industry or otherwise, can implement to become then more inclusive? And I want you to give us a picture on industrial level, but also on organizational level, as well as individual level. What should everybody individual in the mining industry be doing to cultivate this culture of inclusivity that you talk about? The first thing is to make sure that your
0: policies and your procedures are transparent and inclusive of everyone in an organization. So you should make inclusivity a core business strategy, um, where you hold leaders accountable to create an inclusive environment and also to create a platform where people are open to raise concerns when they feel they're not being included and that they do so without fear of victimization. And that's all determined by Your policies and your procedures that you have in an organization, but also as leaders in setting those policies and procedures that you don't assume um, that you are inclusive, that you should get input from the broader workforce, you know, females in the organization, disabled employees in an organization. You you need to include them as part of that um, development of those policies and procedures so that you know what their needs are and that you could close those gaps. That's the first step for me. Um, and then also to celebrate our differences as team members. I think when you openly celebrate differences of individuals in a work environment, it creates a platform for discussion. Uh, it creates a platform for learning. Um, it, You know, I mean, when people talk about our differences, be it religious differences, um, sexual orientation, when we allow a platform for those discussions to fester, uh, we allow for people to learn from each other and be more accepting to differences. We should practice inclusivity. We should allow people to who were once talked over to be part of a meeting. So if if, if that means changing the way you do things, where um, you would have a leader chairing a meeting, perhaps ask one of the employees to chair the meeting to allow for growth and development in that in that space. And be authentic. I think authenticity is one thing um, for me that I've seen work throughout my career is when you're authentic about your approach to equity and inclusion, you will find that it builds more trust in an organization. You create a culture uh, where people are more open to discussing things that were not once discussed, uh, religion, politics, whatever was shunned away in the past, uh, becomes more to the fore and create a better learning and and a better cultural environment. And then also provide sponsorship programs. I mean, that is one way that you could really um, allow people to latch onto uh, their own success and growth and development is when you have an opportunity for sponsorship to say, I recognize you as my sponsor. I I would like to gain the following skills or would like assistance for you to, to develop certain skill sets, or I would like to be part of a project that you are leading. And when you create that enabling environment, you allow employees to develop, um, employees to put their hands up and say they would like to create or add value in a certain way. And I think when you do, when you create those simple platforms for people to be included, you will see it changes, the culture and the, the, the whole approach mm-hmm. to to an organization in terms of inclusivity.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's really what came across as you were speaking that uh, the organization needs to come to some kind of cultural change for in, in order for inclusivity to manifest and the benefits to come across. But we really do speak a lot about what organizations should do. And you've already alluded to that. And you've told us of the benefits that um, can come as a result of inclusivity. But I'm curious to know what the challenges are, because we tend to want to do a lot of good, but every good comes with a certain challenge, especially if it's something new that we're trying to do. So I want to know of the challenges, if any, especially with regards to recruiting in the mining industry, what kind of challenges are organizations facing in terms of promoting a diverse and inclusive industry? And how do you think these um, challenges can be addressed? Sure. Kabela, um, look, I think in terms of recruitment, there's a lot of work that
0: still needs to be done because we're dealing with a lot of unconscious biases that still exist in the mining industry in terms of recruiting women into the industry. Where um, in the past uh, there were certain jobs reserved for females in the industry, or mm. um, you know we feel this, you know there's a certain school that people need to come from uh, the old boys club that was always in existence in the mining industry that we need to eradicate in our spaces and and you face those challenges in recruitment because the new generation that we're bringing into the workplace um has a different ideology about what meaningful work means uh, i mean we are recruiting a generation of employees that want flexibility um they they want to be challenged constantly um they want to be innovative and creative where the mining industry was traditionally Re- run in a specific way. Uh, there were no flexible working arrangements. Um, and, and that's what, and, and you find that uh, the employees that we are recruiting now into industry, it, they ve- it's a very fast paced environment. So you need to recruit mm-hmm. people that are adaptable, that can easily rotate between roles, have multiple roles, for example, that are not confined to a specific job. And I think the the challenge you face is that you have traditional leadership, um, that are in the mining industry and you have employees that are coming in uh, with innovative and creative ideas and that one flexibility and, and to try and marry those two and to get that in sync is where, the, where the challenge lies in creating that inclusive culture. And I find that when you eradicate the unconscious biases that Leadership has, you will find that transition becomes a bit easier because you, you're now training leaders on how to work on the unconscious biases and how to identify those actually. And things like recruitment strategies where you have CVs without biographical data, for example, because then you get rid of the, the sexist and ageism and all of those biases. And also, um, I think one of the strategies that we employed at one of our business units, um, especially at corporate level was to say we would give the recruiters, um, which are the heads of departments, CVs without any pictures or any biographical data. It, it assists with those unconscious biases because People do have a specific preference. You know, Um there's the like me principle in, in recruitment where you want somebody who's like you because you mm-hmm. feel that you're efficient as a leader. And when you when you give somebody a blank CV with just the necessary information, you often find that the choice they would make would be. You know, not the traditional choice they would have made had they had all of the biographical data. So I think these are some of the things that organizations could look into with regards to recruitment. And also, I find that now with, um, you know, technology, it's nice to do the initial interviews virtually without, uh, you know, without interacting with a candidate because there's certain elements that you um, sort of avoid. When you having a face-to-face interview, um, for example, um, you know, those inbuilt biases, uh, beauty bias, um, all of those biases that we've, we, we know exist in an organization and even on a first impression, for example. So when you do that, uh, have a faceless interview virtually, I think it, it assists greatly in eradicating those type of biases in recruitment.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's those are very good points you raised there, especially in terms of bias, because I think that's is, um what a lot of people tend to worry about going into job applications. Do I fit the kind of picture that the company is looking for? But speaking of which, um, in your experience as HR manager, what are then the the skills, like soft skills or otherwise, that you you reckon are required in the mining environment. You've already uh, alluded to adaptability, that it's very important that the prospective employee is adaptable because of the fast-paced environment. And so as a prospective employee, somebody who's listening and they want to come into the mining industry, what are some of the skills that you feel that they need to thrive in combination with being adaptable? Uh, Yeah. So what in in essence, I'm trying to understand what kind of person are we looking for in the mining industry? What are you who are you trying to employ in them? So, you know,
0: I often when people ask me this question, because I've I've talked about this topic so much uh, and they they, they term it soft skills as an HR person. I tend to not like the term soft skills because it's really Mm -hmm. hard. I think these skills are really hard to master especially if your aspiration is to be in a leadership role. I I think it's really crucial to have the skill set of, yes, I mentioned adaptability, but I think emotional intelligence is a skill that we often fail to recognize because with the fast-paced, ever-changing environment and with the diversity of our workforce, especially in the mining industry, uh, having emotional intelligence um, is, is of utmost importance. And I think, Great interpersonal skills, because when you have great interpersonal skills and good communication, you'll find that um, you you make a better team member and um, you are able to have those crucial conversations when it needs to be had you're not sensitive when there's you know criticism uh, that you face and on the onset and um, collaboration I think that comes with collaboration you must be able to recruit people that can collaborate. There's so many ongoing projects in the mining industry um, in an attempt to obviously improve the productivity of a mine um, or a smelter that people are often put into projects that are not their forte. Um, So you should be able to collaborate, you should be able to be a team player, you should be able to be flexible. Uh, Flexibility for me is of vital importance because mm-hmm. you should be able to do things that are out of your comfort zone. And when I started, I said the HR space has changed so much over the years um, that we've transitioned from traditional HR manager to um, doing CSI, to doing corporate comms. And I think with every role within mining, that that is also changing significantly. And you find that you need to be flexible in the way that you see your role within an organization. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the other core skill that I think is of importance is empathy. You know, there's always this approach that a leader should have empathy, but as an employee, it's important for you to also have empathy coming into a workspace um, and that we should not always have this guard up. If, If an organization is asking you to change what you were originally recruited to do because there's operational changes that you should have. You should understand where your employee is coming from and that it shouldn't be seen as, and I think often people tend to play the I'm a woman card or the race card. And as a female in this organization, I think what has fared well for me was, I never played that card. I never saw myself as a female in mining uh, in a male-dominated environment. I saw myself as an HR professional, as equal to everybody else, and I allowed my work to speak for itself. So when you have empathy, you'd understand that if my manager is asking me to do something that I would not ordinarily do because it's required at the time, that I could Mm -hmm. also give my 200% to that project because – it allows me a platform for growth. It allows me the opportunity to be seen and to be heard and to show my worth. Um, mm-hmm. So the, that's important because I find that people confine themselves to just what they recruited for and then often ask the questions of why am I not growing? Uh, why are there no opportunities coming my way? But it, it's a two-way street and I'd just like to stress on that point that it. It's also about having the confidence to to ask for help. So confidence is another mm-hmm. skill, and there's a fine balance between when you are confident enough to do what you are doing, but also confident enough to say, "I'm really out of my depths and I need assistance," mm-hmm. um, and and then making a success of what you tasked to do, um, and when you do make it to manage the ego, because I find. Ego is the biggest killer to success in our organization. So you find very young people climbing up the corporate ladder very quickly. And the, the trick to manage that ego, to always maintain your humility, um, when you do make it and when you do succeed to the, the goal that you have in life and to succeed into a leadership role.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Um, What you're saying about being teachable and really understanding that, especially with younger professionals, like you're saying, who go up the ranks. We were speaking with Nongkululeko just on the last episode, and she alluded to the same thing, that um, the younger professionals who come into the industry should be willing to learn and not put their ego above what their tasks are. And I think that's something that seems to be the common thread in the conversations on uh, on this episode of diversity and inclusion. But you've already alluded to your career and how far you've come. And I just want you to share with us one of your achievements that you consider to be, I guess, best at present in terms of what you've done in the works of diversity and inclusion. For me, my
0: if i had to choose one i think the the nomination of being a top 100 global inspirational woman in mining sits really high up for me because over the years and throughout my career i've always assumed leadership a, a leadership role despite the position i occupied in an organization and i always saw myself as an ambassador for change and not and someone who is never afraid to speak up against adversity, or if I saw anything that didn't sit well with me or didn't resonate with me in terms of my values, that despite the position I occupied, that I felt the comfort to speak up and to create a pathway for other females to follow in the industry. And this nomination, I thought, I think, was just for me such an, a great achievement because it cemented uh, who and what I stood for, and what I constantly stand for. And I think for me, that's one of the highlights is that um, to be recognized as one of the top 100 global inspirational women in mining allows me the platform now to have a bigger um, network uh, of other women in the industry, and for us to share ideas and to create a better space for other women that are going to be following in our footsteps in this industry.
1: Thank you very much, Fatima, for being inspirational, and thank you for joining us on this episode. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cabello, for having me on your show, and I really, really appreciate the time. Thank you for taking the time. And that brings us to the end of today's conversation. Thank you for listening. Please note that the facts and opinions expressed are those of the individual and do not reflect the position of SIAM or the corporate institution.